As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your host, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode triple zero of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand, Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The SDRP will be a weekly review of what's happening and what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. This is the first episode. It's episode triple zero. Luke, why don't you tell them a little bit about what the listener is going to hear? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jed, just an honor to be here with you. Um, what is episode triple zero? All this this episode of this podcast is is an introduction of sorts. Like we're here today to tell you a little bit about this podcast and a little bit about ourselves. If the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast was a website, like this initial podcast, this initial episode would be the About Us page. We just want to take a few minutes to explain what we're trying to do here and to give you an idea as a listener as to what you can expect in future episodes. Sounds like a lot of fun, Luke, and I'm honored as well to be a part of it. It's a really exciting thing that uh, you got me involved with. Um, We've been talking about this for quite a while, but, you know, I know that talking to you and and you talking to me, we both are kind of wondering why us? Why are we the guys to bring Sportsman Drag Racing podcast to the listener? I think over the course of our countless uh, emails, texts, and phone calls over the last three months as we've put this together, that has definitely been the most common question. <laughs> Would you agree? Absolutely. If not vocalized, certainly in our minds. Um, 
but yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you, but while we both, I don't know, wear a lot of different hats, so to speak, we've both kind of fallen into distinct roles within our sport. Like above all else, I'm a racer. I've got marketing partners like K&N Filters and like Racing RVs to represent. And so I'm constantly working to, to build a brand and make a positive impact on potential fans and establish relationship with customers, both customers as mine and, and our marketing partners. Um, and then on your end, like in addition to, to being an accomplished racer yourself and obviously a hugely successful race promoter, um, you're like the established voice of bracket racing, calling the action at the Million, the Spring Fling, and, and several other, you know, top-notch events across the countries. Um, our platform is incredible, but it doesn't always offer the opportunity to vocalize our own opinions, to, to give our thoughts on what makes our sport so awesome and what direction that we think it's headed, like good or bad. So this is our opportunity to do that. Now, on my end, like, I don't intend to use this podcast as a means to update our listeners on my own racing exploits. Like, that's what the Luke Bogacki Motorsports Facebook page is for, and that's what my on-the-road column on Dragos Results is for. Um, and I don't intend to use this podcast as a, as a seminar to share my thoughts on driving or strategy or race car prep to help you listeners become, like, better racers. That's what this is bracket racing is for. Um, same with Jed, like our intention in this podcast is to use this space to talk about our sport, discuss the happenings within it, give commentary on hot topics, and introduce you to some of the people within it. To me, that's really the the most exciting part of what we're going to do here, what we're going to try to accomplish here, is that we as sportsman drag racers, like we need a voice. There are rock stars in sportsman drag racing, drivers, track operators, race promoters, manufacturers, media members, um, and, and more that I'm not even discussing. And too often, like, I don't think we get to hear from these movers and shakers. Within this podcast, we'll, we'll shine the light on a lot of the people that make our sport what it is. To me, that's probably the most exciting part. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself, Luke. Uh, you know, it's going to be very exciting to be a part of and discuss the many topics uh, relevant to sportsman racing that we don't get to hear about on a regular basis. You know, I look forward to the podcast listeners being able to offer their thoughts as well. You know, their opinions on the uh, SDRP Facebook page. You know, we want to invite everybody to go like that page. Tell us your thoughts and opinions on the topics that you'll hear discussed on this podcast, uh, along with the interviews. Don't be shy, listeners. You know, we need you guys. We need you to tell us what you'd like to hear discussed on future shows. And, you know, we'll do our best um, to, to bring those ideas to life. It, uh, it's certainly going to be a great time and an opportunity for every voice to be heard. Yeah, I think that Facebook page is going to have a lot to do with the success or lack thereof of this podcast. Again, that's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. That's your opportunity as listeners to, to interact with us, maybe talk about some of the, uh, the topics that you'd like to hear discussed here on the podcast, some of the people that you would like us to interview. And um, as we progress, like we're going to have a lot of questions and polls and ways for you to... Um, get involved in the show and kind of lead our direction as we go. Absolutely. So, Luke, you know, it's a time where we're in episode triple zero. It's, um, you know, we, we feel like uh, this is going to be kind of groundbreaking, but 
you know, one thing that we want to do is make sure everybody knows who they're talking to. Tell a, tell a little bit of our story in episode triple zero here so the listener can, uh, can get to know us just a little bit better if they don't already. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's, uh, heck, I'll let you get started with, Jed, with that, Jed. That's, uh, I, I like the idea. <laughs> well, uh, the, you know, I'm not real sure of the reason I'm here, but I'm glad I'm here. You know, as far as my racing goes, uh, you know, I grew up in it. And I love it. Um, my, my father, my uncles, they raced stockers in the 60s and 70s, and I was a, a child growing up in the 70s going to the racetrack watching him. So, you know, obviously watching my father do it at, at a successful level made me want to do it. I got to start driving cars around the yard for dad, you know, at 11 years old, and that, that fever just grew hotter and um, started driving to our local store, which was only two-tenths of a mile at the age of 12 in a, in a straight shift. No oh, less. nice. Um, you know, I, I had the bug early to get behind the wheel and actually got to get on the racetrack at the age of 13. Rocked along as a local guy racing every Saturday night here at home, and that went on for years, and, uh, you know, the invent of the the B&M series when that come out it was the latest greatest thing in the the late 90s early 2000s so I got on that trail and uh, between having some success and winning a foot brake championship on the B&M series and the internet really kicking off and running around that same time frame you know it, it kind of made me a, a, a more well-known name uh, certainly in the foot brake side of things and you know from then to now everybody kind of knows my story as becoming an announcer by accident a race <laughs> promoter by accident those things have been a, a, a tremendous blessing to me and wonderful uh, thing that's going on in my life and uh, the journey's been amazing and uh, up to this point um, I couldn't have ever dreamed that it would be this good so this podcast is just another thing that I look at as, uh, as a tremendous opportunity for me to to be involved in something special in racing so what about you luke yeah it's funny jed uh i mean i haven't known you for a long time i know that our uh our our stories and background kind of run in parallel but um yeah that sounds really familiar just like you um my dad raced so i was hooked real early if um if there was a weekend or a, a Saturday night from the time that I was probably four years old until I started driving myself, if there was a Saturday night that my dad went to the racetrack without me, I probably didn't know about it because I would have been upset. I'm just <laughs> like you, like he developed a, a passion for the sport in me at a young age that has really never wavered. Um, I didn't necessarily realize it at the time, but I was incredibly fortunate looking back to have grown up where I did um, at the time that I did. Um, I was actually born in, in Southern California and bounced around that area until I was like eight years old. And then uh, my dad took a job um, at Lockheed Martin in Fort Worth, Texas, and we uprooted and moved to Texas. Well, little did I realize when we moved there, we were like three or four miles away from Texas Raceway, which is a little eighth mile drag strip in Kennedale, Texas. and that's basically where I grew up I mean in more ways than one I spent a lot of time at that place and I didn't necessarily realize how fortunate I was at the time but looking back on any given Saturday night at Kennedale in that era um, they would have a hundred plus super pro cars and among that crowd was guys on any given week was subject to be like Scotty and Edmund Richardson Jeremy and Jeff Heffler 
Tommy Phillips, Nathan Martin, Frank Kahutek, um, Robbie and Jeff Lopez, uh, and the list just went on and on of wow. um, current, you know, at the time and future stars of our sport, world champions, whatever. And just being able to, A, watch those people do what they do on the racetrack, and then as I kind of grew up, be able to befriend those guys and pick their brain a little bit. Like, I didn't realize it at the time again, but looking back, it put me so far ahead of the curve as a racer and driver, just being able to have that knowledge base um, of, again, watching those guys and kind of picking their brain. So as I kind of developed um, as a racer and my career took off, like the the sport has taken me so much further than I had ever dreamed of. And I felt like I had pretty lofty expectations, like, um, uh, but I had never dreamed that I'd win two NHRA world championships and basically be able to drive a race car for a living for the last decade. And that's where this has taken me. Um, along the way brought the, the advent of this is bracket racing, which for those, for anybody that doesn't know is, is basically just a, uh, an online driving school of sorts. Um, and it's really rewarding and gratifying on my end to be able to take a lot of that same stuff that I learned from watching those guys that I mentioned and be able to share it with racers that are just as passionate about this sport as I was um, you know 20-25 years ago and, and truly still am today so that's probably what I get the most out of um, and it just like I say the sport in general has done so much for me kind of like you had mentioned Jed it feels really cool to be in a position to give at least a little bit back in that regard and really this podcast is in a different um, venue kind of a a, another way to do that as well to kind of do our part to make sure that our sports steered in the right direction so to speak absolutely very well said and uh, you know no brag just fact Um, you and I both a couple of pretty amazing journeys when you look back no from where they started to where they are today um you know and, and the names you listed uh from that track in kennedale loop uh, you know knowing how racing strategy has changed from the time i started to to now and it's actually coming back to to a lot more harder dialing and and all that with all the great equipment that people have no and, and the, the good lights and all all that stuff you're seeing now but what we know happened from say the early to mid 90s to the early 2000s to mid 2000s it, it's very likely that it changed right there at that at track in Kennedale uh, knowing how some of the, the names you listed help shape the racing is done <laughs> yeah well you can get an you know, idea it, of just from where I grew up and what the people that I watched like dialing honest was a pretty foreign idea where I came from <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And where I came from, it was ultra honest. You made your six time runs, and then you dialed it down two or three from the fastest one you made, and you legged that baby. So it's, uh, it was a lot different. When I first saw the guys holding, I don't know when it was, maybe mid-90s, I was like, what in the world is going on here? Yeah, what's the idea behind this? This guy's having car trouble or something. But, <laughs> as, I, as I learned later, uh, they had it figured out very early. So, Luke, um you know the podcast is, is an idea that obviously you started and been working on for a while you got me involved early um but tell them a little bit about how this come about what what really happened to bring this podcast to light well 
when we went back and forth, Jed, and I, I know that we kind of bannered this idea around heck a couple of years ago and really just got serious about it within the last couple of months. But the idea on our end is, again, to just kind of um, have that ability to, to share our take and our opinion and shed some light on the, on the movers and shakers in our sport. Now, while this idea kind of took shape, um, between the two of us over those countless texts and emails and calls that we talked about, the one thing that just kept creeping into my mind and we kind of alluded to earlier is like, who the heck am I to host a podcast about racing or, or anything for that matter? And what makes me think that anybody would want to listen to what I have to say? And, um, and I know, cause just from our conversations, like that thought's crossed your mind too. And then <laughs> it, <really> is. <laughs> it's probably not going to stop. Um, but it, it, it dawned on me that like that thought I think is pretty natural. Now, I mean, I, I read something on this and like what I read is, is it's generally referred to as what's called the imposter syndrome, or at least that's what I read. Um, and within it, it, just kind of had the example that they used was you'd have to think that President Obama wakes up some morning, looks in the mirror, and thinks, who the heck am I to lead the free world? Now, I'm not trying to compare hosting a podcast about racing to, like, leading our country, but (laughs) I'm just saying that I think that that idea, that imposter syndrome, for lack of a better word, kind of exists in everyone. Like, I don't consider myself an expert, but I've just like you have been around this sport my whole life. And I've got a bunch of experiences and I've got views and opinions and thoughts that I'm not afraid to share. Like, I don't necessarily want you, the listener, to disagree with me, but I'm not just trying to be agreeable either. Like, I want to make my point and have an educated discussion about it. Um, So you don't have to agree with everything that I have to say, but hopefully most of you can respect it and i just like the idea of having this medium to be able to share that absolutely i echo those thoughts completely you know i certainly don't consider myself to be a person that people want to listen to in terms of offering opinion and ideas um you know my voice is basically um, seemingly built to just call what i see rather than what i feel um however you know i've always felt that my opinions are centered around making our sport better it's never been a personal thing i I don't want to make it good for just me i see the importance of making it good for all participants so now i think i have a fairly objective view and i appreciate a platform that allows me to share it and this is certainly that i'm confident that it's going to be a lot of fun you know discussing the sport that we all love and um, i can be swayed in a, in a good debate rather than an argument i know you can so mm-hmm. i look forward to the interaction between not only you and i but the people that we interview and our listeners so speaking of interviews you know um, <laughs> it's uh, we're, it's we're that be time. Doing a lot of those <laughs> we're gonna it be is. doing a lot of interviews but uh you and i are gonna get a little practice <laughs> it is this is the, the the time of the show where in each episode we're going to have what we'll refer to as the ultra important super interesting earth moving interview of the day um a big part of our of our future co- podcast will again be interviewing kind of the the rock stars of our sport for this episode um we couldn't find any rock stars so we're just going to interview each other um now we we thought that we might give you listeners a little bit more insight into um ourselves jed and i uh and our and also our interview process by doing a brief interview of one another so do you want to kick this off or do you want me to big guy 
actually, uh, I would like to kick it off uh, and, and, and interview you. And Luke, I'm going to have three questions for you. Okay. And that's going to be um, kind of uh, just general stuff that most any interview would have in it. Then we're going to go rapid fire. I'm going to shoot you five quick, short questions, and you give quick, short answers. And uh, we're going to try to use that time to get to know you. I'm going to get to know you a little bit better as is the listener. So first and foremost, which I think is a really, really cool question here, um, who has been the most influential person in your racing career and why? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I, I mean, I could literally probably pinpoint a hundred different people that have been very influential and, and very helpful along the way, but if I had to choose one, I would fall back on my father um, without question. Just, um, again, he's the guy that introduced me to racing. Uh, I was kind of by his side at the racetrack the entire time that I was growing up. And it's kind of, most people um, kind of approach me and be like, man, your dad must have been one heck of a driver. Like, he really wasn't, for a lack of a, a better term. Like, I went racing seemingly every weekend during the race season with my dad from the time that I was four until the time that he stopped driving. Um, and I never saw him make, I never saw him win a drag race. I never saw him make a final round. Um, but so, and, and looking back, like there was a lot of reasons for that. Like he didn't necessarily have the best equipment. We moved from California where specifically at the time bracket racing was a little bit behind the time and moved into what was probably, as we talked about the hotbed of bracket racing at of that day and age so he was behind the eight ball to start with but he was able to to teach me the fundamentals and what I think looking back he was really good at was um maybe to as best you can like understanding what you don't know or knowing that you don't know at all and um giving me the tools to learn on my own and learn from other people and I, I think off the physical racetrack is where he helped me the most by example yeah. more than anything and just how to present yourself and and how to be a, a sportsman and, and the man that you want to be and and he worked within the racing industry so he gave me a lot of insight as to how to carry yourself and present yourself to sponsors and uh, that stuff looking back now has really been instrumental in me being able to to make a career of what we had always looked at as a hobby very cool i hope my son says that about me one day that was very cool <laughs> Um, and, and the, the hundreds of race cars that you've had, maybe not hundreds, but every how many you've had, what would you say your favorite one has been or is today? This one's a no-brainer. If, uh, <laughs> if, if you know me and, and I know you know me, you know what the answer to this is. I, I have a 74 Vega that is beat to all hell, that is the probably visibly the roughest car at the racetrack uh and it is my i feel like i'm at home when i sit behind the wheel I, I love my vega and most people think that i've had it like since i was a kid and part of that's probably because my dad raced a vega but it's not the same vega i actually uh, traded for that car in 2004 i believe so i've had it for most of my racing career but it's not like it's uh, something that was passed down from generation to generation but it's a really cool car and and most people that everybody that I have told this and most people that will hear this will freak out when I say that the Vega is getting 2017 off 
and it's going to get completely redone. And the next time that anybody sees it at the racetrack, it will actually be a presentable race car, which is kind of scary. Um, so I'll, I'm actually going to start a blog about the, the Vega resurrection, so to speak, the, the rebuild, and then trying to, uh, to make it a decent-looking piece. So stay tuned for that. But that is what's on the horizon for that thing. That's cool. The, the only bad part about that is, you know, you're going to have to wash it with some regularity now. And that's, <laughs> that's been the one nice thing about it. We got some really nice stuff now, and it was the one I could just push <laughs> off in the corner and not worry about. So you're right. And I'll tell you how good <laughs> Vega is. I could see why it's your favorite car. Not only do you record excellent laps and that thing, and you've turned on a mini a wind light, but it seems like every time you've loaned it out over the years, somebody brought it back with a check. It, uh, it has won a lot of races with other people behind the wheel. And what's cool about it is, like, the, if I could just list off the people that have driven that car since I've owned it, like it's like a who's who of sportsman drag racing. It's pretty cool. So it uh, it has it's been passed around pretty good. Yeah, it has. Uh, you know, and wow. I mean, as long as I've known you, I can't even count the number of these that have come up for you. But I know there's been a many without me being around. But most memorable racing moment. What do you think that would be? Oh, this is actually, this will get a little bit long-winded, um, but it's a, I, I, it's a cool story, I think. I went to Reynolds, Georgia for a divisional event in 2010, and it was my last race of the year. Um, coming into it, I was in the top 10 in Super Comp points, but I actually physically called an HRA to see if I had a chance to win the world championship. Otherwise, I didn't really have any reason to go. Um, at the time, it looked like uh, Ray Miller III had run away and hid from everybody. Um, and nobody had a chance to catch him or a realistic chance to catch him. And the way that it, the math ended up, I figured if I won the race and Ray Ray lost first round, we would be tied for the world championship. So again, I literally called an HRA and said, okay, who wins tiebreaker? How's that work? Even though that's a long shot, like if I can't win, like I don't, uh, why would I go? And... Um, <laughs> I would, it, they confirmed that I would win the tiebreaker. And I almost like didn't want to hear that because I'm like, Jesus, I got to drive to South Georgia. You know what I mean? Like, I have to. I got a chance to win a world championship. So, anyway, I go. And um, it was, it just kind of fell into place like it was meant to happen. Like, I tried, I tried to chase Ray Ray up first round. I tried to run him. Uh, I missed him by one car. So he's in front of me. I'm sitting in the water. He was red. I want to say he was red by one thou. But when it, when his car hit the tires, the coil wire fell off. Like, it was meant to be that he wasn't going to win that round. So they back him off, and I win, and that race was Saturday evening. Like, we just ran first round Saturday and ran the rest of the race Sunday. And at that point, it's cool. You're like, okay, great, I, I have a chance. You know what I mean? But it's still such a long shot. You can win the freaking race. And um, I go a couple rounds, and then with every round, every wind light that comes on, the pressure like starts to mount and that's more self-inflicted than anything like there was probably five people at the racetrack that realized i had a chance to pass ray ray but i was certainly one of them <laughs> and um and then like at six cars i ran edmund richardson and we both had a chance he had to win there and win another race you know or, or go deep at another race but we were both in contention for the championship and i mean you can't think of many people that you'd least like to run in that situation than Edmund Richardson uh, that wind light came on and then it was like real like this this could happen um, and then I win the semis and I end up when my, my wind light came on in the final round 
I'm telling I took the car into neutral and shut it off at the finish line and I think you could have been at the starting line and heard me screaming like I've never been that excited in my life like I legitimately felt like I had just accomplished <laughs> something that wasn't supposed to be done and had won the world championship and uh, as it ended up the story didn't quite follow my way Gary Stennett went to Las Vegas for the last race of the year he had to win the sixth round to pass me and he did just that and I ended up second um so I did, didn't have the happy ending that you would like but still that day and that moment like I don't think anybody ever take that away from me that was the most awesome thing that I've ever done in a race car and probably my um best memory on the racetrack wow that is really cool I, I didn't even know that story myself as well as I know you so that was good to hear from my, from my end as well <laughs> So let's go rapid fire, Luke. Let me give you let me give you five quick questions, and uh, these are not going to be just racing related. It's just a little bit of get to know you type stuff. This so. scares me to death. Okay, <laughs> don't, don't let us. <laughs> They're not too bad at all. But uh, obviously, food's going to be a, a topic here. But steak or chicken? Oh, steak. Steak by far. I've watched you eat prime rib. <laughs> just be a steak guy, but I didn't. And, and, Back to real quick, back to your story about uh, growing up and uh, or being born in Southern California. I didn't even know that. I've watched you eat prime rib, so I thought you had to be straight Texas. <laughs> That's definitely a Texas <laughs> trait. You're right. <laughs> you had to learn that in Texas. Uh, favorite cereal? Cereal. I'm not much of a cereal guy anymore, but uh, I would say my go-to is Frosted Flakes. Okay, Frosted Flakes. Favorite monster truck? Ooh, uh, give me the Gravedigger. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Who is your favorite professional racer pre-2000s? I know you're a guy that likes the history of the sport. Um, I would say the guy that always intrigued me, and obviously I never got an opportunity to meet, but I kind of, I've always enjoyed reading about him. I'd say Don Young. Oh, Don Young. Very good. And uh, last is Sunset or Sunrise, Luke? Um... Ooh, there's traits of both of them I like. I, I would, I'd say sunrise, just because I don't feel like everybody takes advantage of getting up early enough in the day to enjoy it. Okay, I like that very much. So that's just a little bit of get to know you. Um, I got to know you a little bit there, too. So Fantastic. I don't know if that's good well, or bad, but we'll take it. As, as uninteresting as I'll be, we'll, I, <laughs> your, your really cool journey, uh, we'll switch that around let you ask me a few okay well same deal we'll start off with uh with three basic uh racing questions that you can kind of expand on before we go into uh the rapid fire part of it so jared who who got you started in racing well i touched on it i think a little bit in uh in the introduction but uh, it was my dad you know going to the races and watching my dad race was something i lived for um knew that i'd want to get in the car one day but uh, him getting me involved in racing. Now, my junior dragster was a, a 1972 Pontiac Grand Bull uh, with mud grips <laughs> on the back. So, you know, it uh, it was 1984, and I'd just turned 13, been 13 a couple of days, and he said, happy birthday, we're going to the races, and you're going down the racetrack. So, you know, kids where I was from were doing it at that age. So um, he put me in the car, took me up there, and, and started let me race, and I got my head caved in. I mean, it's difficult, years. right? It was, you know, racing grown men that knew what they were doing, better talent, better equipment. It was a five amber tree. You had to have a lot of patience back then. So, <laughs> um, you know, dad basically just stopped racing and, and 
let me and my older brother, as uh, you know, just four years older than me, just let us do our thing and and start racing. This is a guy that was very accomplished. Um, you know, they it was back in the day when you just had to be faster than everybody, and he was faster than everybody, and won a lot of championships, a lot of races, and he just shut it all down. Let me and my brother race. So, you know, he is definitely the guy that that got me started and uh, showed me that. Um, you know the selflessness that that you need for your children uh, whether it be in racing or other areas of your life and also showed me that uh, you you stay um, persistent you persevere through the difficult times in racing and, and although I got whipped up on for three years once I kind of finally figured it out you know I was a little more difficult to, to get a wind light on and dad was responsible for all that because uh, he he could have quit which would have forced me to quit is as, as expensive and <laughs> troublesome as I was through that part of my life. Well, I'll kind of echo what you said earlier. I, I hope that my little man says something like that about me one day. That's 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 pretty incredible. Now, obviously, that's how things got kicked off for you and kind of progressed. But what's kept you in racing over the years? What's kept, what keeps you in it today? You know, I, I'm. That's a really good question. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I should have stayed in racing all this time. I mean, I've had some really good years, but I've had some really bad ones too, but the thrill of of beating my opponent, um, of outskilling them on the racetrack is is something that I love. Um, you know, I, I like to cut up, as you know, I'll cut up with you all the way to the starting line. But once we stage, I have a, a strong desire to outskill my opponent and the the competition itself is probably what I live for the most now once you're off the racetrack I don't imagine that in my life I could be surrounded by a better group of people than the racing community um, as wonderful as they've been to me uh, just a you know a local yokel from Coburg Alabama and and you know I've got to travel around the country announcing races and as you know, kind of my calling card is the, the parts calls for Oreos or a ham sandwich <laughs> or whatever. And it doesn't matter what you want. They always seem to come up with <laughs> if, if you need a, a third member or a starter mm-hmm. or whatever. These guys have hundreds and thousands of dollars invested in. They just give. And, and you know, that kind of community is something I want to be involved in, whether I'm doing it successfully or not. Uh, is something that that I'm very appreciative of the the family that I've built through racing, and um, that's that's definitely kept me in it a lot longer than maybe I should have stayed in. Uh, I agree completely. Now, just like me, over the years you have had more than your share of highs and lows and huge successes. But if you had to pick out one single moment, what's your favorite or most memorable moment in racing? Well, that one's really easy. Uh, um, as most people would give you an answer where it was a championship they won final round where they got the big check and the pictures and I've been fortunate to have a few of those but my most memorable racing moment was the first round of the 2006 uh, Gator Nationals um, I, I got to drive a super stock car for the Adcock family Woody and, and, uh, and uh, the Valvoline car uh, was what I was driving. Sherman allowed me the opportunity to get in that and drive. And 
they took me to the Gator Nationals. Uh, I'd never been anywhere. Um, didn't even know how to go through tech. You know, got in on some owner's points or something. I don't I mean, <laughs> stuff I didn't even really understand at the time. Um, so, you know, I'm nervous as I can be. We run class. Um, I was I was within about a second of the fast cars in class. <laughs> Obviously didn't do too well, but I was in the staging lanes and um, met Peter Biondo, was in my class. And, you know, we're shaking hands, wishing everybody luck in class. And I, I reached out to Peter and said, uh, you know, I'm Jerry Pennington. And he said, I know who you are. I read the internet. <laughs> said, well, I, I'm you know, honored and humbled by that. I appreciate that. So, you know, that was pretty cool. But when it time, time for first round, um, I've been just a nervous wreck all weekend making runs. And the runs weren't great. So I get, uh, I get Michael Icono and... You know, I, I figured out pretty quickly that if a guy had one digit on his car number, um, it was probably a guy's had a little success in that category. So I'm running Icono. He's a single-digit guy, and I'm a nervous wreck, and I'm foot-breaking this thing, not even leaving on a trans brake. So I uh, just mad it, and it stutters, and you let off the brake. So get up there first round. Uh, at, at, you know, the most people I'd ever seen from the driver's seat of a car <laughs> I don't know how many was there. I don't fifty thousand maybe, but, and they all seem to be watching that round. So I, I'm a nervous wreck, and I stage the car and leave. And I think, boy, that felt pretty good. But you know, with all I got going through my body, I, I can't really tell if I was good or not. I get to the far end; it's looking like I want it to look, and I set it down. And my wind light comes on. I get back, and I, I get the the ticket, the time slip, and I was perfect. And rolled him through a little bit for the win um just uh, as you can imagine i mean it's the first time i'd ever done anything like that so i was pretty stoked and jacked up uh, the the day ended or the the weekend ended a little short of the goal i think i lost it uh, 13 cars or something like that but um that that one win light with that perfect reaction time at the gator nationals with all i had going on everything that was so new to me and, and had me in so much uh, probably irrational fear at the time was uh, probably something that I won't ever forget. And I'll, I'll forget a lot of wind lights, but I'll never forget that one. That's an awesome story. I remember keeping up with that as it happened. That is, uh, that's cool. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll flip over into some rapid fire stuff for you. Uh, we'll have a little fun here, just quick one word answers or, or brief answers anyway. Keeping it on a racing level first, Who's the best racer that you've ever seen with your own eyes, witnessed in person, in your opinion? Uh, the best racer I've ever, ever witnessed race in my, with my own eyes would have to be Scotty Richardson. Um, I, I think that he did things that I didn't think could be done. Uh, the confidence level he had and the ability to execute his plan at all times was uh, as impressive to me as I'd ever seen. Yeah, he, he has always been that. What uh, one, one movie that you could watch over and over, never get tired of? Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's a good one. Um, who's your favorite fo follow on social media? Oh, goodness. Um, man, that's, you know, I don't... I don't really, uh, I don't really do a whole lot of social media, probably as much as I should. But honestly, uh, and I, 
this wasn't rehearsed and I don't want to blow smoke up your skirt, but I really like keeping up with you. I like the, the mix of family and racing and the things that, that you do, the videos um, for trying to make the sport better. And I like to keep up with what you have going on. So, well, um, I do appreciate <laughs> I that. But with, you wanted, but <laughs> with, with all due respect, you do need to get out more, sir. Um, I think I know the answer to this one, but uh, football or basketball? definitely uh, if i'm playing basketball <laughs> uh, if i'm participating it's definitely basketball if i'm watching it it's football all right a bit too physical <laughs> yeah i agree um uh, and uh tennis shoes or flip-flops we'll round it out with that definitely tennis shoes a man should never wear flip-flops ever in his life ever. <laughs> So I'm definitely a tennis shoe guy. Cover up those hairy toes and get those feet. Get something on them. Yeah. Don't ever wear flip-flops, please. All right. Well, thank you, listeners. We've kept you here long enough. Um, this episode, Triple Zero, is part of our three-part launch. So make sure to take an opportunity, if, uh, if we didn't bore you to death here, listen to Episodes 1 and 2. Episode 1 is a recap of the 2016 Sportsman Racing season. Episode 2 is a look at the state of Junior Dragster competition. You know, our goal, Luke, is to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year. So you know, we want the listener to stay tuned for plenty of great content going forward it's going to be a good time absolutely and um, be sure to subscribe to the sportsman drag racing podcast wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts we'll uh, we'll try to keep these updated on itunes stitcher and soundcloud and do us a favor review the podcast on however you're getting it uh rate us review us on itunes stitcher soundcloud that's how we move up in the rankings so that more people can find us and enjoy the sportsman drag racing podcast Absolutely. And finally, to the listeners, be sure to go join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook. Uh, We definitely want you to interact and become part of the conversation. We need you to join that up, be a part of the discussions, and make sure you seek that that Facebook page out and find us there. Keep up with everything that's happening here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jeff. This is the way you live. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, 
This is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.